This podcast is brought to you by Sales Fuel Hire, a platform to help companies hire smarter and flag 13 toxic employee types. Measure job fit, sales tendencies and motivators, decision-making abilities and empathy levels, and make your next hire your best hire. Try it now on salesfuel.com slash hire and use promo code MANAGESMARTER for $50 off your first purchase. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop and retain talent, improve results and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Well, we've been talking coronavirus and uh, as everybody knows, really focusing in on some of the different prisms in that lens we've been looking through rightly. And one of them today is to talk about your more, uh, what's the term, mature, experienced workers. Season, um, yes. Yeah, that's right. Seasoned decisions. And uh, unfortunately, you know, a lot of what, what's been coming with coronavirus is layoffs and furloughs and things like that. And unfortunately, uh, those with the bigger salaries then are, seem to be the ones that are, that are taking uh, you know, a big brunt of this. And you might want to rethink that, according to today's guest. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong, the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith, the President and CEO of SalesFuel. Oh, dynamic lady you're about to hear from, Patty Temple Rocks, author of a book called I'm Not Done. It's time to talk about ageism in the workplace. And she's also a senior partner at a marketing agency in Chicago. Welcome, Patty. This is a really important topic, and we've never done this on the show before. Well, thank you so much for um, inviting me on your show, and especially for agreeing that it's an, an important topic, because that's half the battle, is to get people thinking about it and talking about it. Right. So amid the virus, like just this morning, um, 26 million now total unemployment. But when you're making decisions about who to furlough or layoff, you're saying you really need to think carefully about looking at the, the higher salary or the more mature worker. Let's talk about that. Sure. I, you know, and I, I admit at first it, like when we're just in this, you know, um, crisis where so many people are losing their jobs. And it is, you know, it is um, a problem that will afflict many, many, already has obviously afflicted many, many. But I started to think about if we fall, if business falls back into its normal patterns of, you know, looking at where they can cut costs frequently, um, that is in the salary lines and then the overheads. And um, disproportionately, potentially, um, depending on how you look at it, the higher salaries tend to go to older workers. Now, the reason they go to older workers is because those older workers have been working a long time and amassing incredible um, experience and wisdom and perspective that I think can be exceedingly valuable in times of strife. And so, you know, I know um, myself in, in the marketing firm that I've, I'm working for, I have never been busier because I am constantly on the phone with clients or our team or others trying to just help them think through options and counsel them. And I don't have any answers, but what I do have is experience living through, I call it the other side all the time, but living through and getting to the other side at other times in our history, when from a business standpoint, we went through, you know, days, weeks, months, sometimes where we weren't really positive about there being an other side. Yeah, so that these people have, have lived through 9-11. They've lived through the Great Recession of 2008, about three other recessions that I can think of. So uh, they know what it's like going in. They know what it's like to survive through. And they know what it, what it looks like to come out the other side and how to prepare for it. 
Exactly. And, and it, you know, it's, it's not nothing that some of um, what is valuable is just even that perspective and that knowledge. And of course, um, I try to share and I encourage others to share specific things that we learned during those events that you described. Um, but, you know, for many of the younger folks that I work with, and my industry is very young, um, this is their thing. This is their where were you when COVID-19 happened. This is mm-hmm. a truly defining moment for them. You, so. you better have been at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but so, yeah, so I do think that, you know, it is, um, you know, I was count my, I have a 23 year old son who graduated a year ago and he, luckily he's a, a trader and he's came back here with us for this and he's still working, but he's got a number of friends who are, um, you know, just graduating now. And I feel for them, you know, as they are trying to figure out how to get um, their foot, you know, hold into their first job. But I, my first job was in 1981 and that was also a recessionary period, you know? And so we, again, just this perspective that those of us that have been around can offer to other people who are going through these things sometimes for the first time or sometimes in leadership for the first time, I think can be incredibly valuable. So let me play the devil's advocate here and, and say, well, I don't want you lose this, this, this young hotshot, you know, employee that, that we've hired, we've just trained, we, we were able to recruit him or her. And, you know, and if we, you know, we don't make the move to cut salary elsewhere or wherever that we're in danger of losing uh, these people with a great upside. Yeah. So I have like three things that immediately come to mind. One is, um, you know, I don't, I, oh, I'd like to think that this is not a zero sum game, you know, and that there are ways that can, that businesses can look and, and try to keep both valuable employees. But I realize number one, these times are um, different and a little bit more extreme than others. But the second point that I want to make um, is, is also related to that. And that is that regardless of your age, you, and this is never for me about pitting, you know, older versus younger, you have to be good. And so if you're looking at your older mature worker and your older mature worker is not providing value or being good, that's not who I'm fighting for. Mm -hmm. I'm fighting for the people who are providing value and being good. But then the third thing that I would say is way too often businesses are, are, not the least bit creative when they try to think of a solution. So I'm, I'm actually a little bit optimistic that this crisis is so extreme that it's causing people to think about different solutions. But for example, perhaps that older worker is open to working less, less than full time. Perhaps that older worker would be willing to consider another opportunity that might be lower pay but it's also potentially, you know, lower, um, lower hours, lower pressure, more flexibility. There are lots of things that people, when they reach a certain age, want besides just increased salaries um, all the time. And so I think that for lots of reasons, including that they just have never been taught how to have that conversation, employers don't ask. And they don't learn that this worker that they're about to um, separate from the company would have been willing to consider five other options that could have been advantageous to both the person and the employer. That's true. Uh, it's a great idea. And then you also talk a little bit about the fact uh, that 
you can set up some mentoring um, in a company where the experienced people can help the younger people not to panic so much and sure. to be actually more focused during this time. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and other ways that uh, the older workers can make sure that they're demonstrating value? Yeah, I think, um, you know, and, and mentorship is certainly a good example. And, you know, many companies, and I think a lot of these things are probably on pause right now, you know, given the circumstances, but many um, people or many companies have what they call reverse mentorships, you know, where basically the mentorship is kind of going both ways. And so you okay. match up an older worker um, and I hate the word older worker, but it's just, it's a way of describing and, and honestly, people start to feel discrimination in their forties. So when we say older, let's not picture, you know, somebody yeah. that can barely walk or anything. Uh, We're if they're in television news, I think 40 years, you're pretty much. <laughs> oh, I put myself out to pasture out of TV news. Are you kidding? I put yeah. myself out before they cut me off the air. So yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that, all right. So I'm going to skip how try to remember to come back, but I'm going to skip to the second part of your question is what can older workers do to, um, you know, demonstrate their value. Yeah. Um, and some of that is that we should not give in to the system <laughs> and we should continue to make, um, make our presence known and not, you know, I joke, not joke. I wrote in my book about the fact that when I turned 55, I felt like doing something stupid and so i went out and got a tattoo um that that was it actually wasn't stupid and it was very meaningful to me but i did it on my lunch you know during lunch come back to the office and was sharing it with some of the creatives in my organization and i said well it's my birthday it's a big birthday i thought i should do something so next thing i know word gets out that it's patty's birthday and she got a tattoo and so everybody like then starts celebrating me for my 50th birthday and i worked in an agency. And so I kept my mouth shut and said, Oh, thank you for wishing me a happy 50th birthday. And what I should have said, because most of the people that I worked with were in their twenties and thirties at the time, right. no, I'm 55. This is what 55 looks like. So if you actually still find me relevant and interesting and can learn from me, you need to know that that is 55. And for many of us, we have, we grew not grew up, but we watched in our career, how many people, um, we saw them sort of start to get treated differently or start to get marginalized. And so I think whether we even knew what we were saying on a subconscious level, we started to recognize it. And so we started hiding a little bit. And if we didn't get um, called on, sounds like schoolroom, but if we didn't get sort of included in a meeting or a discussion as much, we would literally start, self-doubt starts to creep in. And you mm -hmm. think, why aren't, you know, why doesn't anybody want my opinion? Well, maybe I'm, you know, maybe it's because I'm, you know, not as relevant as I used to be. And, you know, we have to kind of say BS on that. If it's true, then we have to try to make sure that we're doing everything that we can, you know, to stay on top of things in our industry and on top of things about our people. But if it's just a stereotype that's being brought to light, we need to speak up and speak out and if it really is you know borderline discrimination we need to go to hr or management yeah. or somebody or even tell others i had so many people that would say to me i didn't i you know now that you've talked about what this means i realize it was happening to so-and-so in my organization yeah. and i just never said anything i thought maybe she wanted to leave or she he wanted to go part-time or different things and so i think a lot of it just 
we owe it to ourselves and our, you know, the next generation that will be deemed old by the workplace um, to take this seriously and speak up a little bit more about it. And so back to your first part of your question, the, um, I was so gratified to find once I wrote this book and started talking about it, that the people who are like equally incensed about it as those of us that are over 50 are those of us in their twenties. And I think it's because a couple things, one, they have parents, they grew they are many of them are the first ones who grew up in two working professional parent homes. So they watched mom and dad happily go to work every day in careers that matter to them. And then some of these 20 year old, 20 somethings are telling me stories about the day their mom came home crying or the day their dad just suddenly got quiet and down. And they, and these 20 somethings observed what the workplace was doing to their parents and thought less of that workplace. And so, you know, those of us that want these young rising stars in our workplace better know that they are paying attention to everything, not just how we treat them, but how we treat everybody in the workplace. What are some of the stupid things that managers do that set themselves up for a charge of age discrimination? Well, I think they just turn a blind eye to it sometimes. I mean, there have been um, cases, one, um, in a court of law for a pattern of joking behavior, like calling someone a geezer or pops or grandma or making jokes about, um, you know, oh, sorry, the typeface is too small. You probably can't read it. Now, you know, is that um, intentional? I don't, I, I don't know. You know, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But is it something that an opposing lawyer is going to use against you? Absolutely. <laughs> Um, there are other smaller things that I think people do, like um, if you look at a website page. And so who you tend to see on a company's um, website about their, when they've got to their employee page are young, shiny people, as opposed to something that would be accurately reflecting an age dynamic workplace. And so you don't tend to see a lot of 50-somethings on a company's website when it comes to what a great place it is to work. Um, you also don't see, I learned from interviewing HR people, you don't often enough see age listed as something that an organization calls out in its diversity and inclusion strategy or policy. Interesting. Um, so that's an easy one, you know, just make sure it's there and make sure that you're doing something about it. Um, you, you said that you think that this pandemic is going to result in a disproportionately larger group of layoffs of 50 plus. Um, for people listening who are afraid of they're going to be next on the chopping block, do you go into your boss and say, you know, I, I want to continue my professional development. So I took this, oops, sorry, took this class or, you know, um, what are some of the other ways you can try to stave off your chances? Yeah, I think it's, it comes really back to, I think the um, honest conversation um, okay. about what you really want. So if what, you know, if what you really want is to, you know, remain full-time and have nothing change um, in these times, I think that might be challenging. And so I think some of this is about like really, um, you know, with the filter of, you know, the economic impact of what's going to happen 
or what is happening or what's going to happen, like a real honest examination about what you need. So a gentleman that I interviewed for my book, um, you know, was really what got my mind thinking about like having this honest conversation about whether you would be open to other things. He, cause I asked him that question. He was the first one I asked the question. He said, well, you know, mm-hmm. at first maybe not, I, I think it would have been hard for me to hear, but in the end, I really valued that company. I'd been there a long time. I think I provided them value. I ended up taking a job for a lower salary anyway. And what I really wanted was just to finish out my career with dignity in the way that I wanted. And I wanted health insurance. And so if we think about what we really want out of our career and are comfortable enough to have that conversation with our boss. It it used to be that people would be afraid. I mean, for many people, the fear of having that conversation, even if that is what they wanted, maybe, you know, increased flexibility, reduced hours. And for that, they were willing to take, you know, less pay. They really wanted to hang on to their benefits until, you know, 65 or whatever the age was. Um, They wouldn't have wanted to have that communication in part because they would have been afraid that that would have signified, I'm not committed, I don't care, you know, some of those things. But today, I think that conversation is almost a, a business reality helpful conversation because mm-hmm. I know that most companies are having to think about things like that. You know, we're seeing companies furlough people. We're, tell, we're seeing companies tell people to take their vacation. If people said, you know what, here's what I think I can do for you, but I can do it in three days a week for, you know, and you can cut my pay. Um, but that still allows, you know, me and, and provides health benefits and all those other things, but, and that will make me happy. Um, then I think you should talk to your boss about it because chances are it will also help them meet a business challenge that they're trying to solve today, which is, you know, just as I think, older workers are going to be disproportionately impacted. The reason that there is an impact at all is because we cannot deny, you know, the financial impact that this is going to have on on businesses, large and small. That makes sense. Well, but if you don't have the conversation or talk to your boss, then you just become a generic line item on a spreadsheet. Exactly. Exactly. Let me, so let me take the other side of this. I always look for silver linings. I always look for opportunities wherever there's adversity. So uh, let's say that you affected by, by COVID-19, the government hasn't shut you down or like that. And so you're looking to hire. Seems to me there's a lot of great talent that's going to be out there if, you know, if, if this plays out like, uh, like you suggest, Patty. And there's a lot of uh, you know, veteran, very wise, very talented people out there you know, that, uh, that are available for hire. How do you go about getting them? Well, and if you're them, how do you go about getting that job? I think that, um, you know, I, part of, this we hide this too much is like even things like the way that we build our resumes and the way that we you know talk about ourselves it's i've got you know 35 years experience doing this or i graduated from college in blank and i um i one time you know said i you know don't put when you graduate from college and you don't have to list every job you you know don't do things that call attention to your age and somebody challenged me and said well aren't you saying we should own our age and i said yeah but get the job first, you know, like then, you know, let's also make sure that we're doing things to set ourselves up to get the job. But I think that what, um, you know, the way around that, and I honestly, as a, someone that hires people too, like I would much rather hear about the skills that, that somebody built or the types of experiences that somebody had 
than see which company they worked for for which years. So like, you know, in, in my case, I, I would talk about, you know, I, um, if I was trying to get a job now, you know, with the brand thing, like I've been through um, mad cow disease when McDonald's was my client, you know, mm. I worked for Dow chemical during um, the last recession, you know, when everybody was having experiences. So I know what it's like to juggle between, you know, ratings agencies and share price, or I have experienced what it's like to get consumers to continue to eat your food when they've now become fearful about it. And so I think that what I would do if I was, if I was trying to talk to one of these startups or something is say, you know, it's this experience that I can bring you, which is much more important than, you know, exactly where I worked and when I worked and how long I worked there. Um, and so I think that what, um, People should, you know, lead kind of with what they did, not for how long or when they did it. And then as an employer, um, I think that honestly, some of it is we have this um, perception of um, a linear straight line for salaries. So that if you're looking at somebody, you know, who's 60, you sometimes without even talking to them, make an assumption that, well, they would never want to work for me. I'm only 30 or they would, um, they probably are way too expensive, you know, because of how long they've worked. I couldn't begin to afford them. And again, it's the same thing that I always say, like talk, find out that might not be the case. You know, you may be dealing with somebody who has different needs. You know, one of the things that somebody um, said to me is our, you know, we, we might need to think about our careers as we are, you know, living longer, take COVID out of it. Um, and our life expectancy is going on. Nobody, you know, it used to be reasonable to expect that you'd stop working at 60 because you were going to die at 75, you know, but this is now that it's different. It may be that we need to look at the beginning of our career as, you know, you, you work and you work and you try, you don't make a lot of money and you're trying to get money. And then in the middle of your career, you've reached this point where you are now starting to be rewarded for that work and you're making good money. But then as you start to, um, you know, reach the tail end of your career, maybe your, your salary is going to tail off a little bit. And, you know, I'm not advocating that we all should be paid what we're worth, what the value of the job is. But I think there's room to be on both sides of the employer and the employee to be open-minded to having a conversation about what's the job worth to me, the employer, and am I willing to do it as the employee for that cost. And more often than not, the answer might be yes. Yeah, I love that. Well, I'm not done. Rocks is the website. I'm not done is the book or Patty Temple Rocks. I like your Twitter, Patty Rocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, Patty T Rocks, actually. Patty, yes. Patty Rocks, yes. Um, and she's on LinkedIn as well. And by the way, if you'd like to book her for a Zoom room, she's got awesome backgrounds in her Zoom room. That's I'm right. jealous. <laughs> Thanks so much. This is all great tips, Patty, and uh, really good food for thought on both sides of the equation. So everybody can try to make this a win-win in some way. We're so glad you came today. Well, it was my pleasure. And again, I, um, I just want to get, keep people talking about this. It's really important. So thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.